Hi, thanks for joining us for another episode of Oklahoma Senate on Deck with Senate President Pro Tem Greg Treat. Senator Treat, glad to have you back on the podcast. It's been a while. How, how have you been? I've been well. Just been busy, uh, as you have been, just trying to work through the COVID-related issues at the Capitol and get session wrapped up and all the other responsibilities we have. The work never stops around here in, in the uh, legislature. Uh, so let's get right into it today. I thought since it's been a while since we've talked here on the podcast, uh, let's recap the 2020 session. It was uh, an unusual, unprecedented, bizarre, strange session for uh, one main reason, and that was the impact that COVID had. So let's uh, let's get your perspective on, on how the session went Um started off normal and then around mid-March uh, COVID impacted us in a personal way here and forced yeah. us to make some adjustments. I remember it was just two years ago there was a member of ours that uh, had to be overseas serving his country and we talked at that time that there was no way we would ever let people remotely vote in the state senate. <laughs> uh, my, my, times have changed uh, you know what is it necessity is the mother of invention we, we had to we had to change things around uh, when when there was a COVID outbreak, even in our own Senate body with the staff person uh, early on, we, we had to react quickly. And we moved most stuff into remote uh, committee meetings, that type of things. You, a lot of people, you'll hear them talk and say, session normally is around 90 days. This was only 37 days. What were they doing? A lot of those days we weren't voting, so right. it didn't count as a session day. Right. But we were having conference calls with people all across the state trying to make sure we got supplies where they needed to be, trying to react, yeah. trying to aid the effort of the administration and, and really aid the effort of our constituents, right. the medical providers. Uh, I had a lot of dentists reach out to me that didn't have equipment, uh, elective surgeries. People were really worried about their loved ones. So you have that. And then you, at the same time in Oklahoma, we had the the drop worldwide on the price of a barrel of oil and MCF of gas and uh, you had those hit almost simultaneously so we were we were scrambling around trying to make sure that we did the best job we could. Well I think despite uh, the challenges I think we adjusted well here in the Senate and in the legislature overall the remote meetings the virtual meetings uh, went pretty well I've heard good comments from folks uh, media and constituents who appreciate us uh, um, appreciated us trying to make sure they could follow along and we had to do the important business yeah of I kind of jumped on on you and on uh, our media staff but also our IT staff to make it happen and uh, you and your colleagues did an excellent job of getting us prepared you know most of the most of the members on the floor we were there present voting but we wanted to make sure we gave access to people who right couldn't either they were taking care of a loved one or right. they had a compromised immune system themselves and so Worked beautifully. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate uh, the Democrat leader, Senator Floyd, working with us to make that happen. Uh, but our staff adjusted. Our IT staff was up here uh, many nights and weekends trying to make sure it worked. Of course, we had a few glitches early on Yeah, trying to make it work. And it's never going to be perfect. Uh, but to assume perfection even when we're all here in person is, is a, <laughs> a faulty assumption. Right. It worked very well, and we were able to get the job done able to work really well with the House colleagues, and, and, and they had a different approach. They had proxy voting, but uh, each each body uh, did what worked best for their, their own institution. And it was important because the go government stayed open, stayed functioning, uh, did what we needed to do to support uh, the citizens of Oklahoma and proved that in a time like this we could still 
do that even if we had to change and not be here in person. So Yeah, I've got to give Roger Thompson and the Appropriations uh, Committee and staff a lot of credit because they had to basically write four budgets mm -hmm. this year. Mm -hmm. Wrote the budget early on that they'd started last July, basically. And then with the barrel oil at one day trading negative, negative uh, yeah. uh, Board of Equalization changed the number on them. First, we were thinking $200 million down, then $500 million, then $1.3 billion down is what we ended up having to do. Yeah. Thankfully, we had been prudent in, in sessions prior and, and put back about a billion dollars in total, which helped uh, really uh, take the, the situation and make it a little bit better. But, you know, you've got to have an eye to the future, too. We don't just budget and then think, oh, just hope and pray right. that next year is fine. Right. So we had to cut some to make sure we had some money left over for next year. But we, uh, we kept areas of the budget, uh, protected them cuts, kept their cuts smaller. Uh, one area that comes to mind is the education section of the budget. We made sure that kept our commitment there on teacher pay and the increased dollars we sent to the classroom. That was so. extremely important. You know, their cut on paper was 2.55%. But when you look at the CARES money they're going to get uh, That's the and other monies. Federal uh, coronavirus relief money. Yeah, yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be a net positive. But, you know, each school district, some districts, right. like I have Deer Creek in my district, and they don't have as many Title I students, so we're trying to figure out how do we help there where they're uh, adversely impacted. There's still some things to work through, but overall, very proud of the legislature and the budget that we passed uh, given the circumstances. And, and it's still fluid as we talk here today toward the end of June. Um, the numbers change daily, and, and I know Senator Thompson, when the session ended, told us that there's the possibility that things improve quicker than maybe we expected. We could maybe um, come back in and look at changing the budget if things go the other way. I mean, we're, it's still very fluid, so uh, it's, it makes the job even harder to be the appropriations chair and be a senator and make a state budget, but you guys did a good job this year of adjusting and, and, and getting ready for next year, too. Well, thankfully, in the wisdom of, of Oklahoma's Founders, there's a lot of areas where they fell short. The Constitution's way too long, way too prescriptive. But uh, there was a provision in the Constitution, I don't know if it was added straight from the start or if it was added later, I'd have to do my research on that, but it requires a balanced budget. And I'm so thankful for that. Uh, it makes our job hard. Right. Uh, I've had to cut a lot since I've been here just yeah. to be able to make the budget balance. There, you hear on the federal level continuing resolutions yeah. where they don't actually pass a budget, they just keep funding at the same level. And, and they do that because it's really hard to come up with a budget with given uh, the circumstances. Yeah. It's really hard to make tough decisions, but thankfully we don't have a choice here. Right. We have to balance the budget, and we do a really good job of balancing the needs. Across the board cut is really irresponsible, so going in and looking at each agency and trying to figure out uh, how do we serve Oklahomans the best, it's hard work, but I'm glad that we have that provision of the Constitution Glad we haven't tried to change that provision, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because it makes us be much more prudent. But just like you're in a, uh, if you're in private business, um, you set out a budget for your, right. whatever your fiscal year is, and a lot of times you have to make adjustments throughout the year. So we'll probably have to make adjustments one way or another uh, when we come back in session. Uh, but that's to be expected, and we did a, a very um, good job of working with the the hand we were dealt. Uh, the Board of Equalization put out a $1.3 billion hole, and we still haven't gotten the, the backup data for that. We had right. to take their word for it, uh, which was really frustrating. 
it was um, that uh, is uh, it was just frustrating I'll, I'll just say that and it was untraditional compared to what we're normally used to getting from from the board and from and how they produced it so we're used to be able to see the modeling and right. all of that right. which really helps us make a we can look our constituents in the eyes and say we knew we did the best we could with the dollars and maximalism this time Unfortunately, we weren't given the modeling. So we, we did the best we could with the information, information. we were given, yeah. the little bit of information we were given. That kind of leads me to the next topic. Uh, is that something that um, you think Loft could help with? I think Loft will be tremendously helpful in a number of areas. You know, when you start something like that, you want to make sure they don't bite off more than they can chew. Right. We're off the ground. We hired yeah. a director, uh, Mike Jackson. Uh, and he's going to do an awesome job. He's already uh, ramped up on the hiring and getting yeah. some really qualified people in there. That's something they can absolutely help with in the long term. Short term, uh, they can help around the edges, do some uh, oversight. I'm very excited about what uh, Mr. Jackson, former state representative Mike Jackson, is going to do. I think he's a really good hire, and I think that he's going to, to, um, to see Loft off to a very good start. Yeah, with his experience, um, he knows the he's familiar with the process and how it works here in Oklahoma. And he knows the questions to ask, having been a a legislator. Uh, and as we've talked about a lot here on the podcast, um, sometimes you get a different story depending on who you talk to uh, when you're talking about uh, state spending or an agency's budget or something like that. So having a uh, independent uh, database. Um, source of information like Loft is going to be a game changer around here. It, it will be, and it will be, you know, one of the things when you have an organization like Loft is you can take it a million different directions, but you've got to be successful in your niche and make sure that you, you find right. what that niche is. Right. So really, uh, program evaluation and helping us with our budget numbers are the two areas that they can really focus on and be successful. Uh, I know the speakers had meetings with Mr. Jackson, so have I, and, and I think we're both excited about the direction it's going. Excellent. So now we're in, so the session, uh, with the ch despite the challenges and the unusual circumstances, it was good overall. We had good policy, uh, had a tough budget, but managed our way through that. Uh, let's talk a little bit the policy issues. Shortened session, but still were able to get some good bills to the governor's desks directly related to COVID, some liability protections. We still were able to do non-COVID things, some health care reforms, education reforms, uh, the cost of living adjustment, a, a increase for pensioners. So a, a good session when it comes to policy. Yeah, we were able to produce. Uh, and you know, I told my caucus and I told the general public, I said, we're not just going to limit to COVID-related. That will be a focus. But I said, why... If we're looking at legislation, we need to look at it for two-part tests if it's going to advance. What problem are we trying to solve and why does it need to be solved before what we call in here signing die or the last day of session? And uh, I think that's a really helpful exercise that will carry forward. I think so, yeah. That, that's something we should do every year. It keeps your focus honed and, yeah. and on the target. I know I, I won't mention legislators' name, but they told me they were really frustrated at me when I first said that. And then they... they put their list of bills down and they said they grew frustrated with themselves a little bit because as they were going down they're like yeah this isn't really right. necessary right now right and and you get caught up in that you get requested from your constituents and you want to be helpful i mean we all have servants hearts and we're all competitive so we want to get our bills to the finish line right. but that really should be a measure why are we changing state law why does it need to be done now 
and what problem we're trying to solve, I think, are, right. are questions that we should be asking ourselves every year. We learned a lot this session. You know, some of them were how we change our processes. You know, we talked about that with the virtual. But that's a good, uh, another good lesson that we learned here is, is that can hone our focus. Um, well, and, you know, just the importance of IT in everyday life. Uh, when I became pro tem, I transitioned us to Office 365 and remote servers, and I, I shudder to think what we would have done given the old IT infrastructure yeah. we had um, before when we first took over. And uh, not that the previous guys uh, were bad; they were doing the best they could. Uh, but I just saw a real importance of getting away from that. I saw the private sector doing that, and mm -hmm. I asked the question: Why are we not doing that? Uh, and and IT really came through for us this year. And I think one of the things uh, a bill we passed do, uh, during the pandemic, which is really interesting, but it was a temporary change to uh, some of the open meeting laws that allowed uh, state and local uh, entities to hold meetings uh, virtually. So they could, so like a city government or a county government could continue to operate, but not. this is when we were told not to gather in rooms of more than two people. And then you have a city council of five or seven people or uh, county government so we made that change uh, and took things online I heard great things about that there may be some uh, tweaks that need to be made but again uh, to your point how much technology Im impacts our life and maybe also opens up and brings transparency into the way government operates and allows people to watch from the comfort of the living room the city council or school board meeting or something I think like that, that could be a long-term change if we do it right we need to go back and see what was good about it what right. was bad about it Obviously, you had some Zoom bombing, which was awful yeah. for some state entities, but there's some safeguards you can put in there to protect against mm -hmm. that. Overall, I think it was a home run as far as transparency on the process. I think you, uh, one state board of equal, uh, education meeting, I think it, oh man, I, I, I hesitate to say the number, but there were a huge number of people watching. Right. Yeah. And you just don't get that when you're in a boardroom and, yeah. and all that. You. I don't think it will ever replace face-to-face -face interaction, uh, but it really brings some transparency. The media can watch multiple meetings at a time. I talked to several reporters who said they were able to cover local government issues that they never would have had time to drive an hour to a town uh, to go to the county courthouse to watch a meeting, and they could watch it online. And it was resulted in some interesting, not from a bad perspective, but just you know, we learned more about that institution or that entity and. Uh, transparency is a good thing whenever you're spending taxpayer dollars at whatever level Well, the government's you are. closest to the people have the most impact on their daily lives. Yeah. So, and, but obviously, they're not obviously, too often they get the least amount of attention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a really important thing. You school board, your city, uh, city council meetings, mm -hmm. uh, you know, even task force that cities and, and schools put together or county commissioners, mm -hmm. those type of things impact people's daily life and impact business. Uh, so I was excited. I, I, I really think that we've just seen the tip of the iceberg of what we can do with technology and, yeah. and opening up transparency. I think so too. Uh, so right now we're in the, we call it the interim here. It's the off season or the, uh, so to speak. So weight uh, training, run it now. I need to right. do that. <laughs> we're all, we all have our at home workouts that we're doing. Uh, but uh, so starting off light. Speak for uh, yourself. <laughs> uh, it's a chance for you, just practically speaking, it's a chance for you to spend more time with your family. Uh, have you been able to do that? Uh, get some time home with the kids and, and have some fun? Yeah, tonight? I've been working uh, remotely uh, more often than I normally do. I still come to the Capitol quite a bit. But the, uh, 
Yeah, it's been it's been um, a good deal. I work around my kids a lot. They're involved in campaigns and come up to the office, so it's not new for me. Uh, but it's it's been fun. You know, Marissa, my wife, uh, was re- working remotely, and and those were for all the bad things that came out of COVID. And I don't want to I don't want to minimize those. A right. lot of people have lost their life and. Uh, a lot of businesses have had to shut their doors, and so there's some real devastating things. But the positive side is we've all been able to spend more time with our family, uh, learn to cook a little bit more uh, than usual. Well, it's uh, reminded us of uh, uh, maybe to slow down and to take some time to focus on our family, our friends, our loved ones, because um, too often we get fast-paced. Our schedules are jam-packed with work stuff, with kids activities or whatever it is we're involved in so this was a chance for everyone to stop and and uh be reminded to slow down and 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 uh, focus on what's truly important so yeah technology's allowed us to do that because uh just even a decade ago it would have been very difficult to really work remotely very effectively and i've been listening to a lot of radio programs and podcasts about how private sector is really looking at this and saying hey Maybe it does make sense for us to have employees work from their home, yeah. uh, at least a partial uh, part right. of the week or partial part of the month, um, you know, and having people have offset schedules so certain people, you don't have to have as much square footage, you don't right. have to have as much electricity right. accommodation. So there's a lot of, from from bad, there may be some good that comes out of it. Yeah. There will be some good that comes out of it. There's yeah. no doubt about it. So even I said the word off-season, but I don't want anyone at home to misunderstand the sentence 24-7, 365. Um, so we're not in session, but our offices are still open, and we're still dealing with COVID-related issues. You and other senators uh, were uh, appointed by the governor to serve on a, a task force to look at how federal COVID relief dollars are used, being used, and so that's an important thing going on this off-season. Yeah, we've been we've been meeting uh, virtually and, and having some good discussions there. And uh, as we film this, uh, June twenty third, I believe, right? That yep, today. Twenty third. Uh, the uh, I, I just got done talking to the appropriations chairman. We're looking at numbers. We're looking at budget. So when I talk about the budget process being a year yeah. round, that's that's a lot more than just rhetoric. That yeah. is the absolute truth. Now things change sometimes toward the end of session because you get new information. Right. But literally, June 23rd of 2020, I'm sitting down talking to Roger Thompson, my appropriations chair, the Senate appropriations chair, I should say, about what is FY22's budget going to look like and what are the numbers looking like, what are the collections looking like. Yeah. Uh, it, it's something that we take very seriously. For sure. Uh, and we're dealing with constituent issues and we're helping as best we can. I know a lot of people out there are frustrated with some of the things going on at the Employment Security Commission, but our office, I know I've overheard and, and listened. We were able to have some success stories with people finally getting their cases resolved, so that's a nonstop yeah, thing Yeah, it, it's frustrating to me, too. You know, the federal government uh, passed CARES Act, and they, they did the PPP for private business, and they did the PUA for um, uh, pandemic unemployment uh, assistance. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of constituents in Senate District 47 um, not be able to get the... the help they need and they've been paying into the system uh, but it's hard job OESC has been dealing with records amount of fraud yeah uh, not just OESC but Oklahoma Employment Securities Commission uh, but 
entities like theirs across the United States, uh, there's a theme. I didn't, we didn't come up with a theme before we did this, but it's IT. <laughs> uh, they were operating off cobalt and, uh, yeah. you know, late 80s, early 90s right. technology. Right. Uh, and you just can't turn that on a dime. We had put some money in that three years ago, but they have not ramped up the IT yeah. increase. That is extremely important. And this is underscored and emphasized and magnified how important it is. Uh, it can cut down on fraud, but it can also get checks out to people who really need it. Yeah. I'm getting calls in this office about people who have uh, their electricity may be cutting off, although uh, a lot of utilities are working with people. Their Internet's going to be cut off, and that's their means of work right, right now. Right, right. Uh, that they're literally trying to, they're having to go to the food pantry for the first time in their life to be able to get groceries for their family. People are hurting, and that's not lost on me. And so I appointed uh, Senator James Lee Wright of Creek County uh, to oversee the Senate reaction, and, and he's been working very closely with my office and other senators to try to help. There's a backlog, though, and um, we want to help, uh, and, and I think. OESC has some new leadership now. Hopefully we get it on track. Uh, but it's it's simply unacceptable uh, the way that it was running. And I'm glad that the governor's taken action uh, to make some changes over there. Right. We've got to serve the, the public. And these businesses have been paying that unemployment insurance on these people for a long time. Those people who rightfully deserve it need it. And I, I can't believe there's people in this world that are taking advantage of that situation and preying on, on the system right now. It happens every time, and it shouldn't surprise us, uh, but it still does because you would think who would take advantage. Of surprise is the wrong word. It angers me yeah. uh, because, uh, because I hear and I read these messages from these families, people who have never needed a dime of government assistance in their life, who uh, through no fault, no fault of their, of their own, own are out of work right yeah. now. Some of these people are self-employed. Um, they were photographers. They were uh, playwright, playwriters, screenwriters, attorneys. Uh, every walk of life, mm -hmm. um, accountants. I've seen uh, a lot of people who have never interacted with their state government before having to, and uh, it's been a less than desirable experience. And it's not to defame the people working at OESC. They just they had to ramp up. They didn't have enough people yeah. uh, for the normal volume, and their IT system was in the dark ages, and we've got to get that fixed. Yeah, I think all across the board, we have to be forward-thinking and, and, and looking to the future, what we can do with what we have um, to prepare and get better. That's something that we have internally here as a culture, as a Senate, is how can we constantly improve. Uh, we're trying to make investments as we can. You mentioned the IT upgrades, things like that. So uh, just people need to think about that, and especially uh, when you're in an important role like that at a time like this. Um, well, we started investing in, in new IT, I think, in 2017. Yeah, uh, it takes that, a while to pay. For, for that entity. It's just it doesn't turn on a dime, and yeah. it frustrates me. It frustrates us that it is not as nimble as we need it to be and want it to be. Yeah, but I think no like, one could have foreseen the right. volume that we're having. But I now. think you hit it on the head that there are people working hard to change it in, as quick as they can. It just it will take time. Um, but that's but Senator Learight and yeah. his assistant Cheryl are working um, long, long hours trying to help uh, our constituents across the state. So, yeah. so is my EA Christina and EAs for for all yeah. the members. It's really all, all hands on deck scenario. Mm -hmm. 
same thing in the house I've heard oh yeah so um, if you're listening at home and, and you're still having issues reach out to your state senator you can go to OKSenate.gov and input your address and find out who represents you and send them an email or, or call them and they'll be more than willing to help you uh, sort through the process um, the last thing I wanted to touch on quickly as far as the off-season was something we call interim studies around here at the legislature um, the members of the Senate have until Friday, July 10th, to submit their interim study requests. Let that be a warning. Friday, July 10th, members. <laughs> All the members listening. Uh, and then the Pro Tem's office will make announcements a few, two weeks, no later than two weeks after that on where the study requests have been assigned to which committee. And then all studies have to be completed by Friday, October 30th, which is the last Friday uh, before the general election this fall. Uh, but interim studies uh, are a way for senators to dive deeper in the issues. You, you've found them helpful in your career as a member of the Senate, so it's an, an interesting, um, it's a good way for members just to learn more about. Yeah, Senate Bill matter. 1, Loft came out of an interim study. Success and, story right there. Yeah, success story. Not, that's, not everyone is like that. You don't. Sometimes you got to interim study and realize the problem you're trying to solve isn't a problem at all or you you identified the wrong problem mm -hmm. uh, but it is these are extremely important uh, they get assigned to a committee much like a bill does mm -hmm. and then that committee chair much like a bill gets to choose if they're going to hear or not hear that interim study uh, the best interim studies are those that bring in both sides of the equation right you see sometimes interim studies where it's just a one-sided affair where they just talk about all the merits of whatever their idea is I don't operate that way. I operate in such a manner that I like people to be able to poke holes in my ideas so I can improve my idea. And I think most members are that way. Iron sharpens iron, right? Absolutely. And uh, so we're, we're in the process of collecting those. Uh, a few have been submitted already. Uh, Do you think there'll be some studies related to COVID or other issues we've experienced this year? What's I your think, expectation? Uh, I anticipate myself doing something on the, the uh, open meetings and seeing if there's mm -hmm. something more permanent uh, we can do there. But I, I think there will be. You know, COVID, it's interesting because the pandemic, you couldn't foresee that pandemic, but health problems are foreseeable. Mm -hmm. Natural disasters are foreseeable. We had a working group that, that keeps an up-to-date up document. I think we needed to go back and see, was that helpful? Did it yeah. get used? Uh, I don't know if it's this interim because we're still in the thick of it. We need to study that at some point in the near future, and that may be something we can get Loft to do as well. Uh, you know, the, the de-escalation tactics by police officers, mm -hmm. I anticipate with um, the, the national movement, the national sentiment around social justice mm -hmm. and those things, I think that will probably elicit a few interim study request I'm interested in some of those topics yeah uh, it's it's always interesting to see what you know there's there's a um, people are talking about cattle prices and the, the beef market and uh, there's a myriad of issues and that's one of the beauties of a legislative body is where my expertise ends, someone else may begin I, I don't know the first thing about the the meat market and the, the beef market other than what I read in the papers right uh, but you know we have a lot of a wealth of knowledge in this body and across the state to be able to help us do those interim studies. Well, we'll have more on that uh, a little bit later um, when the studies are submitted and assigned and announced. Uh, 
I uh, I wasn't truthful earlier. I said that would be the last thing. Uh-oh, uh, liar. We can't uh, we can't let any podcast or anything go by without talking about the census and how important that is. Um, uh, I don't have the latest figures here, but maybe if you talk a little bit about the census, I can find our response rate here. Pro so, Tim, why is the census Once important? a decade. No. <laughs> the, the, the census is extremely important. It, it impacts our, our federal money that comes down in the form of matching money and grants to the state, to our education system, to our local governments, to transportation. Uh, Oklahoma has historically underperformed on the number of people submitting their census form, and that adversely impacts your representation in the U.S. House of Representatives, and it adversely impacts the amount of money that uh, gets allocated both at the federal level and we use those numbers as we allocate right. at the state level as well. So thank you for did, that. Did I belabor enough? I did. You did. Great. You, you, you stretched. I appreciate it. So we're recording on Tuesday, June 23rd. These numbers change every day because new numbers come in, but the national average response rate is 61.6%. The, the national average. The national. Okay. Oklahoma's average response rate today is 56%. We rank 43rd among yeah. all the states. We can do better than that. We can do better. And so we've had work here in the uh, Senate since uh, at least maybe December of last year or, or January of this year. We recorded PSAs. Every member is talking about it in their community. Republican writing, and Democrat. Republican and Democrat writing newspaper columns about it, talking to their civic organizations about the importance of it. So we're... We're, we're doing everything short of filling out your census for you, <laughs> which we cannot do. Uh, please, please, uh, I plead with you to figure fill those out. It, it will behoove you and it will benefit your local community. It will benefit your local school. It will benefit your local ambulance That's something that ambulance, people service, don't talk about fire enough department. is that a lot of these federal dollars can uh, help local schools and may also help determine where schools are built yeah. based on where the people are. And this year, more than any other census, uh, things have moved online and so it's easier uh, to complete. I've done mine. I'm sure you've done yours. It took Less than ten minutes, probably more like the seven first or eight week minutes. that we were working remotely. I did mine. It took yeah. five minutes, yeah. maybe six minutes. I don't know. Yeah, but it's very important to the state of Oklahoma. I think the the statistic is um, an undercount of one percent could cost us one point eight billion dollars over ten years, and that's when our appropriated budget is around seven point. What's a little over seven, seven billion. Seven billion. Uh, that's a huge amount of money, and so please, everyone. Regardless if you live in the city, if you live um, in the country, if you live in an ur urban area, rural area, fill out your census. Rural areas are typically uh, undercounted even more. Just Some of that's driven by access to the Internet, but although this year is the first year where they really pushed it more online, even historically we've seen a lower uh, participation, especially in western Oklahoma. We've got to drive those numbers up, but you need to be counted whether you live in suburban Oklahoma, urban Oklahoma, rural Oklahoma, every one of you count. Every one of you needs to be counted. And you won't be counted if you don't fill out your census. Right. Well, that's what we have for today. Thank you for joining us. It's been a while. We, um, we're glad to talk to everybody again. Our hair's, our hair's grown a little bit since the last time. It has been. Years. Yeah. Mine I've, just doesn't grow very fast. It's been since, I don't know the exact day, but it was supposed to be in. Um, Come on, you know. Well, I know the day, so here in the Senate, we had to quarantine on March 17th. I was supposed to have a haircut that day at, like, lunchtime. Oh, Obviously man. couldn't leave. 
Uh, so you're so fancy. It, you schedule your uh, hair appointments. I do schedule I just, mine. I, I just, just get a sure. whim and look and see if my sideburns <laughs> are too long and go get a haircut. Yeah, well, I my wife keeps looking at me like, when are you going to go get a haircut? But uh, I don't know. I'm kind of curious now just to see what will happen. <laughs> <laughs> if I had your hair, maybe I'd grow it out a little longer. Yeah. Um, but... Um, and it's the summertime, so I anticipate the pace of these. We're not going to do weekly updates like we do during the session, but uh, so the next one of these will probably come at you in a few weeks. But if there's any questions you want to see us cover, uh, please, if you're watching this on social media, leave a comment. Uh, you can email us here at the podcast, on deck at oksenate.gov, or you can go to the Senate website and find Senator Treat and send us an email that way. But uh, we're here to give you an update about the Senate. If you have a question about uh, the Senate, we'd love to, uh, to hear from you and to answer that. Please like, share, give us uh, five stars if you like what you hear. Um, <laughs> I forget, too, sometimes we're on video. Yep. So we're video and audio or the whole experience here. But uh, so that's it for this episode. Of hey, Oklahoma next time Sunday. maybe we can talk about the interim studies that were submitted. That may be an interesting I think we will uh, be able to talk about that. So uh, that will be exciting. Um, maybe are we going to critique them, say which ones we like, which <laughs> ones we don't like? or well, Tune in. You'll find out. <laughs> That's right. Tune in. So It'll be like for- a draft show. We'll just pick on, on – maybe we can go Facebook Live that day and just like, Senator so-and-so, your studies. <laughs> Uh, that would be cool. I like I like where your head's at. Yeah. You're innovative. I like that. <laughs> That's cool. Well, tune in next time. You never know what you're going to find or see here on the Oklahoma Center on Deck. But Senator Treat, thanks for joining us, and thank you at home for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.